Welcome to the Centerpoint Church podcast. At Centerpoint Church, we are a community of believers impacted by God's saving grace and the love He demonstrated in Jesus Christ. Our response to this amazing grace is to allow it to transform our lives and to share it with others. As a body of believers, we find our purpose in knowing Christ, growing together, and reaching beyond ourselves to help others do the same. As our Y series comes to a close this week, we take a look at the final chapters of Job and the life-altering change that happens when we move from knowing about God to the experiential knowledge of Him that comes through suffering. Today, we're finishing up a series called Why. Uh, We've been going through the book of Job, and the book of Job, in case you don't know, the book of Job talks about this fellow who had a kind of a rough go of things. Uh, he lost everything in the first, in the opening chapter of the book, he lost everything. And since all of his wealth, his entire family, except for his wife, uh, who begged of him just to curse God and die. So he had that going for him, which is nice. And then things got worse. So, so Job, like, Culturally, Job is someone who's referred to as someone who's suffered immensely. And generally, like when we're, when we're going through suffering, one of the questions uh, we have is why? Why is this happening? And so we're doing a series titled Why, and we haven't answered the question yet. And this is the last week. This is the big finale. And we aren't going to answer the question. Because God doesn't answer the question. And so if he hasn't answered it, then I've got no place to try to figure out a way through it. It just doesn't work. But we have a little bit more of Job that we're going to read. Uh, So I'm supposed to do three chapters today. Uh, The last three chapters of Job, chapter 40, 41, and 42. And we are not going to read all three chapters and try to go through all three of them. But we do have a few chunks that I want to get to. So if you have a device or a Bible with you and you want to pull it out, turn to Job. Job's about in the middle, almost dead center of the Bible. Going to Job, chapter 40. If you don't have any of those things... It will be up on the screen here in a second. The Lord said to Job, Will the one who contends with the Almighty correct him? Let him who accuses God answer him. And then Job answered the Lord, I am unworthy. How can I reply to you? I put my hand over my mouth. I spoke once, but I have no answer. Twice, but I will say no more. Then the Lord spoke to Job out of the storm. Brace yourself like a man. I will question you, and you shall answer me. This has a little bit of a sense of uh, Job being a keyboard warrior, doesn't it? You know what I mean by that? A keyboard warrior is somebody who's really tough online. And then when you see that person uh, face-to-face, all of a sudden, like, no, we're good. I don't know what you're talking about. We're fine. I got nothing. Like, that was Job. Like, Job's like, God, I deserve an answer. 
Where are you? Answer me. I deserve time with you. I deserve you to explain yourself to me. So then when God responds, Job's like, oh, (laughs) never mind, I'm good. But sometimes I think that's how we, we come across. Like we're we're gonna demand from God. And I think I think most of the time it's because we're we're desperate. We're hurt, we're hurting. And we know at least that's a safe place to go and yell. I mean the answer might be stern, but he's a safe place to go. And yell. So God, God continues. We're going to read a little more out of chapter 40. <clears throat> uh, hang with me here. This is 8 through 14. Would you discredit my justice? Would you condemn me to justify yourself? Do you have an arm like God's? Can your voice f- thunder like his? Then adorn yourself with glory and splendor and clothe yourself in honor and majesty. Unleash the fury of your wrath. Look at all who are proud and bring them low. Look at all who are proud and humble them. Crush the wicked where they stand. Bury them all in the dust together. Shroud their faces in the grave. Then I myself will admit to you that your own right hand can save you. So this starts with, in verse 8, it starts with God saying to Job, so you don't agree with my justice. Job, you disagree with my justice. Then he's kind of like, do I have a deal for you, Job? I have a way, a pathway for you to become someone who can met out justice the way that you think it should be done. And then God lists all these things that there's no way possible for Job to do. He lists out all these things that only God can do, and he says, do these things, Job, and then your own right hand can save you. God's hoping to clarify once again for Job, I'm God, and you're not. Maybe you should enjoy that. I'm God, and I can handle all of these things. In fact, I have handled all of these things, and you're not, and you can't even begin to wonder what it looks like to humble the proud or crush the wicked where they stand. You can't do that. We have no way to approach what God is all about, but yet we, we disagree. We, most of us, probably all of us that are hearing this today, have this deep sense of justice inside of us. And this sense of justice is, this is how I would do things. 
I have a really clear sense of right and wrong. And if you wonder, like, if you wonder whether or not I think I'm right, just ask. I'm right. Don't we all function that way? Like, we're really clearly right. Job felt that way. Job felt like he was right. And he was demanding a response. So we have this sense of justice and how things are supposed to go the right way according to us. And God is just very gently saying, that's cute, but it's not your job. You're not able to manage justice for the entire universe based on your understanding. Job, you're not qualified for the job. Which that's hard for some of us to hear, right? It's hard for us to hear we're not, we're not qualified for the job of playing God. Then it kind of interestingly, interestingly turns the, the discussion. And you can go read Job chapters 40 through 42. It's really, really interesting. There's some stuff I'll try to explain here as best I can. Right at this point, uh, God starts to describe a couple of animals. Uh, he starts to describe the behemoth and the leviathan. Now there's a couple schools of thought in what these actually are referencing. Um, it could be mythical creatures. I don't, I don't think it's mythical creatures. I think it's actual creatures that we have different names for now. Uh, so the behemoth uh, is, a, is a hippopotamus. Everybody say hippopotamus. Everybody spell hippopotamus. <laughs> uh, everybody's like H. There's some P's. Ends with an S. Hey, we got it. Nailed it. Hippo. All right, there we go. Uh, so the behemoth is the hippopotamus, and the leviathan is a, is a crocodile. So just for clarity's sake, um, you wouldn't want to snuggle with either. Okay? Um, and so... God starts explaining it, and it seems like he's totally taken a turn. He, he was kind of, he started out saying like, hey, I am the one who establishes justice. Let me describe this behemoth. It's like, where, where did we go? What happened? But actually, I think it really, it really ties into what God, the point God is trying to make here. So we jump ahead to chapter 41, verse 5. It says this. 41, 5. Can you make a pet of it like a bird or put it on a leash for the young woman in your house? So in this, in this specific uh, example, he's referring to the Leviathan or the, the crocodile. Can you make it a pet like a bird? No. 
bad choice. Can you put it on a leash for the women of your house? Also, hard no. But he's not just talking about the idea that the crocodile would bite your head off. What he's actually talking about, or what at least he's in part talking about, is that you think you can control me. So, so God is the only one who can tame the hippo or the crocodile. God is the only one that control, can control those two animals. And what he's trying to bring together for us is that we think that we can make God a pet, like a bird. That we can put God on a leash and make him go where we want him to go. I walked my dogs yesterday, so I have two dogs. Uh, One's about 90 pounds and one's about 55 pounds. And they're not super into walking in a straight line. And so the entire time is generally they've gone in different directions, and I feel like I'm being drawn and quartered, or at least halved. I'm getting pulled like this, and I'm tugging, and I'm tugging, and I'm dragging, and I'm trying to pull them to go with me, because who's in charge? I'm trying. But that's not how our relationship with God is supposed to work. God's in charge. We're supposed to follow. But what's happened, or what's happening in our society is that we, we have a whole bunch of folks, a whole bunch of, of church folks that are super into the name it and claim it stuff. It's just like, whatever you want, God will give you. Any little dream you have, God will make come true for you. And I'm like, I've I've got a couple questions. Job. God said, Job was upright and blameless. God said that Job loved God and shunned evil. That he was a righteous man. And I mean, I've read the whole book. And Job was naming some stuff, but he didn't get that. But we, we start to hear these things. We start to hear about this God who's basically a cosmic vending machine for us. And as long as you know the right numbers to punch in, I'm be like, oh, today I feel like an A6. Beep, beep,
Like, God, why, why didn't you give me what I want? And now we're mad. Or hurt or disgruntled at God because God didn't give us what we want. And God's focus. See, God loves us and he wants to give us good things. He wants to give us what we need. He wants to give us what we need. And this might be a newsflash for some of us. For some of us, this might, I don't know, maybe you haven't heard this before. There is a gap. There is often a gap of understanding between what we want and what we need. I have kids. There is a gap between what they want and what they need. Their perception is that their wants are needs. There's a gap between their and actual needs. God loves us. God loves us so much that he gives us what we need. And often, often, what we need is difficult for us to understand. It's difficult. So the conversation continues for a bit. And then Job decides to talk again. And I would read all of it, but there's this one part that really, really stuck out to me. All the times I've been reading this, trying to understand where I'm supposed to go, this stuck out. And this is where we're going to spend the rest of our time together today. Chapter 42, verse 5 says this. My eyes had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. My ears had, had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. I want to read the message version of this. So the message is just a different, uh, it's a different translation of the Bible. Uh, I, I think it's spectacular. If you've never read the Bible before, uh, <clears throat> come talk to me. I'll be at the Welcome Center after the service, and I will get you a message version of the Bible because I think it's spectacular. <clears throat> this is what the message says. I admit I once lived by rumors of you. Now I have it all firsthand from my own eyes and ears. I've lived by rumors of you. I've lived knowing about you from others. I've lived 
having heard of you. Has this ever happened to you before? There's, there's someone you've heard of through other people and they describe this person to you and you have, I don't know, maybe four or five versions of this person described to you and then you actually meet them? No? Okay. Uh, let, me, let me give you an example. All right? Between my freshman and sophomore year in high school, I moved schools. I moved about 50 miles from one part of the state of Iowa to another part of the state of Iowa. Both small towns move into this small town, and so it's obvious, it's obvious that I am, I am new to town because everyone knows when someone new moves to town. Yes? Still happens here, right? And the town I moved to was one quarter the size of Haywarden. Like, it's Ireton, it was Ireton-esque. You know, five, 600 people. So I moved to town, and uh, I'm outside the school one day shooting baskets, and, and somebody, a high schooler drives up, and is like, hey, who are you? My name's Cy. Scott? Oh, well, I hear there's another new kid. And this person, it was a, it was, it was a girl, this girl goes on to describe uh, this, this other person that was coming to town that was new, like 6'4", all-state basketball player, had played in the state tournament earlier, uh, earlier in the year, was an absolute... Uh, expert at all things, and just went on and on and on and on. And I was like, that's interesting. <laughs> She's like, yeah, it's going to be awesome. I'm like, no, you're pretty sure you're talking about me. <laughs> to which she lovingly was like, oh. I've heard rumors of you. I've lived on the rumors of you. In our society, the, the way this shows up is that we have heard, we've heard in other places of how, how God has, has shown up and, and maybe blessed other people because they said the right words or they sang the right song or they prayed the right prayer to the right person at the right time and then God showed up and heaped blessings and I haven't seen that yet. What am I doing wrong? If that's been your experience and you've asked that question, what am I doing wrong? I would say what you're doing wrong is you're living on the rumors of God. living on the the rumors of who others say he is. That's not God's intent. God's intent is for each one of us individually to experience him.
to have an experience, a personal experience with God so that you would know him. You would know him. Because that's the, that's the goal. That's the hope is to know God. Not to know of him, but to know him. That's the hope. That's the, that's the intent of our life. And maybe, maybe you're here today and you're like, well, I can't. How can I know him? He's not walking around. Jesus isn't walking around the earth anymore. That happened 2,000 years ago. How can I know him? I think the book of Job has taught us this. The knowing is in the suffering. The knowing is in the suffering. Job knew of God at the beginning of the book of Job. At the end of the book of Job, Job is speaking with God. Like he's a friend. Like he's somebody he's invested in relationship with. Started with Job knowing of God. Ends with Job knowing God. What happened in between? Suffering. Hurt. Despair. Destruction. Devastation. How can we know God? When you're in seasons of struggle, notice I did not say if. When you are in seasons of struggle, look for God. Listen for God. That's when you'll be most open to experience what he's really about. Now, if you're, if you're big church calendar folk, uh, where are my church calendar people at? Like people know that today is Palm Sunday. Who, who knows that? A few of us. We got a couple out there. I kind of knew that. I, a little bit about me. Church calendar, not really my thing, okay? I'm trying. I'm trying to get her figured out. But if you know, Palm Sunday uh, is today. And for those of you who don't know what Palm Sunday is, so there's a story uh, in the Bible. It's in the Gospels. It talks about Jesus. Uh, Jesus entering into Jerusalem uh, the Sunday before he dies. Um, and so on the way into town, word gets out. Word gets out, get this, about Jesus. That Jesus 
is the Messiah, and the Messiah is headed to Jerusalem. And the Messiah is headed into Jerusalem to seize power, to take control, to start his authoritative reign. And so the road into Jerusalem is covered with cloaks. People wore lots of cloaks back in the day. How many cloaks we got? Uh, so there's some things lost in translation here, right? We're very few cloaks. Uh, but they throw their cloaks down. So Jesus is riding a donkey, his mighty steed, a donkey, uh, into town. And people are cheering on both sides of the road, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest, which loosely means, good job, Jesus. We love you. Loosely, all right? So Jesus rides into town. His exit from town is different. And I'm not going to skip ahead too far because this is upcoming is Holy Week and we've got services on Thursday at 6.30 at our Sioux Center campus and Friday at 6.30 at our Sioux Center campus. You should come. Uh, And that's going to get into more of the detail of of what happened, but Jesus' exit from town was way different than his entrance. Because the people who were cheering for Jesus on the way in had heard about him, had heard about the Messiah, had a story built up in their head about what the Messiah was supposed to be about. Who the Messiah was supposed to be. What the Messiah was supposed to do. So they hear Messiah. They have an idea already constructed in their head of what that's supposed to look like. This man is coming into the city and he is going to overthrow the Roman government by power. He's going to kick out the Roman army. The legions will go home. Israel will be free again. And Jesus is going to do that by the sword. That's what they believed. A political uprising, an overthrowing of the government. That's what they had heard of Jesus, of the Messiah. Not to spoil anything, that's not what happened. That's not how it went. And so, that's a struggle. So the same people that were cheering for Jesus at the beginning of the week were not cheering for him at the end of the week because he had not lived up to the rumors that they had heard. It's not that he hadn't lived up to what he said he was going to do or who he said he was. He did that. He hadn't lived up to the rumors. And so we have to be careful. As we hear about who Jesus is, we can be disappointed if we don't experience the things that we have heard about him. And my warning to you is that 
that may not be him. Can you know Jesus for yourself? Can you know God? Can you realize that the, the knowing is in the suffering? It's in walking through the suffering. So what are we going to do with this? got a couple things I want you to think about this week. A couple things. Uh, first one, Shelly, give me something. I need help. The back end there is a couple of one-liners. One of them is, will you go through it? I know that's one of them. And what we're talking about is, will you walk through the difficulty and the struggle? And this week we help with that. Because this week we, we have set up these two services. So we've got Monday, Thursday, on Thursday. That one's easy. This week is pretty easy. The schedule is there's something called Monday, Thursday, and it's on Thursday. Well done. Let's see if you can get this one. And then we have this thing called Good Friday, and it's on geniuses. Cannot say I did not know when it was. It's in the name! Uh, and so, Monday, Thursday, it's, it's the story of the night that, that Jesus was betrayed. So it's the story of the Last Supper. It's a really powerful moment. But it can be emotional because you're, you're kind of you're showing up um, ready to be vulnerable, because that's how Jesus showed up that night. And so you're showing up ready to be vulnerable as well. Super powerful opportunity. I hope you'll join us. Are you willing to go through it? And then Good Friday service, that's a service about the passion of Jesus. Those are the last hours of his life. And you get to sit, uh, sit in and with the fact that our sin is part of the reason why Jesus is on the cross. Will you go through it? Will you consciously choose to walk in and through the suffering? Because the knowing is in the suffering. one thing. Got the other one. The band's going to come up. We've got a couple more songs we're going to sing, so come on up, band. I'm so good at transitions. We have these code words we work out, like, hey, band, you should come up now. And then I like to stand here and awkwardly watch them. The other thing I want you to think about this week. When did your last God story happen? So when did, when did your last God story 
happened? When was the last time you felt like you experienced God? For some of us, it's been 30 years. For some of us, it was last week. Or this morning. And like, what I want you to think about, I want you to really consider, when, when was my last God story? The reason I want you to do this is because if you're in relationship with God, if you're experiencing God, and you're not just living by the rumors of God, but you're actually living with God in relationship, he's showing up. That's who our God is. Our God shows up. And so if, if it's been a minute since you had a God story, maybe you're living on the rumors of God and not really living, experiencing God. And I want you to pursue that this week. A couple opportunities, Thursday and Friday, 6.30 at our Sioux Center campus. Let us help as you pursue him. Thanks for listening to the Centerpoint Church Podcast. Be sure to keep up with us on social media at facebook.com slash wearecenterpoint or on Instagram at wearecenterpoint. We hope to see you soon in person for worship this Sunday at 930.